Hello and welcome, folks, to episode 132 of the Ministry of Dice podcast. We're a UK-based podcast talking about all things Dice Masters. I'm Chris, otherwise known online as the True Mr. Six, and that geezer over there... It's Andy. I ain't nothing but a hound dog. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> it's true. And I'm a hunk of hunk of burning love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, folks, we are back. And it's a big week for Dice Masters this week. We we are back once again to pleasure your ear holes. And on what a special week, because it is uh, an epic week in the world of Dice Masters. Uh, why is that, Andy? Do you want to tell the folks why it's such an important week in Dice Masters? It's World's Week. It's World's Week. Well, uh-huh. it's kind of- <laughs> yeah i was still chuckling when i did the retake then <laughs> i'll put it in the outtake so everyone knows <laughs> i did a on the fly elvis impersonation that did not land correctly <laughs> i don't know what i was doing or where that came from <laughs> yeah i was going for uh-huh um, uh-huh <laughs> yeah it, it just went very very wrong i'll put it in the outtake or maybe i won't Ooh. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe it's a uh, 12.99 subscription to OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll put it out on the subscription only. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, it's World's Week, or what, what I affectionately like to call the North American Continental Championship. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do not believe there is anyone outside of the USA and Canada attending. But, uh, yeah, I may be surprised come the day. So, yeah, big week. Big week. Big so week. come Thursday this week, yeah. there'll be there'll be folks, you know, getting their team packs out, the team boxes out, dice bags, rolling mats out across tables in the heart of Graceland's, ready to compete. Amazing. Do you reckon they've got Elvis playing in the background? Do you remember the first time they were at Memphis? There was whole Jimmy was telling us that there was some whole rule about or something about they'd specifically asked the competitors not attend wearing Elvis t-shirts or anything. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Or something. There was a whole thing about yeah Elvis iconography that uh, we were specifically asked by Wizkids to steer clear (laughs) of. Which was quite funny. Although that may just be a reflection on the uh, the kind of trust relationship there <laughs> about what we might do with Elvis's image. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the old TCB stuff. You know what I mean? I like that. I've got a patch what? somewhere. Taking care of business. Uh, I got a patch somewhere with that one. Uh, so yes, it's World's Week, which makes this the world's episode, and we're going to be focusing almost entirely on the upcoming events uh, in our featured segments uh, this episode. But before we get into all that, my man, let's let's get the standard stuff out of the way. I'll ask you, what have you been up to in the last two weeks since we last recorded? Well, um, losing. Uh, did you lose last week? I did lose last week. Lost to your uh, oh Batman yes, team. yes, yeah, rare Batman team. That's right. Yeah, so what did I run? I ran a team uh, centred around the uh, OP kit. Not the, the big OP kit, but your little play-at-home mail-order Spider-Man mm. uh, and uh, Typhoid Mary and basic action Slingers, City Slingers, Slingers, something like that. Yeah. Um, put those three on uh, to uh, to have a go with them and, and kind of built a team around that, centred mostly on trying to get sidekicks out getting the buff from uh, energized typhoid mary 
uh, using get trying to get them through with the basic action. Whereas thing is where I don't attack with one, and you can't block with one, or, or something along those lines. It was cool. I actually, it was a really enjoyable game. I, I kind of supplemented it with some characters from uh, Dark Phoenix, which gave buffs. I think it was Emma Frost and Iceman who yeah. gave psych- give psychic some some attack and defense buffs. Silly didn't take the uh, um, the mystique that I t- said that I'd taken every team. Uh, <laughs> and, and tried to kind of get sidekicks out, buff them up with the uh, the two characters, get some typhoid Mary energize on the go, uh, and get them through with the basic action. And to be fair, it didn't do too badly. It didn't no it didn't do great, uh, but there was definitely potential there. I brought the Batman that you had as well, the rare Batman for the uh, the the global, but that was a poor choice because every two characters the psychics i got out you also got to psychics yes as well yeah so that was a a, a quick learning curve there um pretty basic learning curve I could have really just read it but there you go um <laughs> but yeah sure. it, it got some psychics out did some things did some rolled some dice but ultimately got pinged to death with some ridiculous combo that i lost kind of I lost halfway through what you were doing. and Yeah. Uh, well, the the big swinging point was because, yeah, I was making sidekicks whenever you were making sidekicks. So I always had weenies in the field and I think you didn't get your typhoid Mary overcrush on the go. Did you? That was the thing you were missing. Nah, never got that. Um, but what I was able to do was of course, block any one of Andy's assaults and you guys were, I mean, they were big started. Those sidekicks were scary. There's no two ways about it. But every time I blocked with a weenie, the weenie would die and I'd do another ping with, with Batman. So it just started catching up with you, I think. And then come the close, because Batman does one damage to opponent, one damage to a character and had a few sidekicks in the field and one defense characters in the field. I just used my Dark Phoenix Saga, uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, my Dark Phoenix Global once and then kept dropping the one damage on the next sidekick along in the queue, which then did another ping to you, and then did the damage one along. So I just <laughs> chained a, like, six damage run. Ping, 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 ping. Yeah, which was fun. For you. Yeah, well, indeed, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll concede that for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the fact that you couldn't really attack when I, uh, when, I when my blockers were... Little weenie blockers ready to <laughs> to make the sacrifice, as it were, kind of put you in a difficult spot. Really, it did. I bought a truce when I should have bought the slingers uh, basic action because the truce was I knock a character out to well I can knock up to two characters out so you knock out two characters out. But I didn't really want to do that. Whereas the the truce was just uh, they, these won't block, um, but this won't attack. Uh, so I kind of leaned more into that basic action. I was thinking about it afterwards about how to kind of get around it, but um, sure. Nonetheless, fun game. Enjoyed it. It was re- it was tight. It was certainly wasn't a kind of a a, a battering, but um, yeah, I learnt my lesson with the uh, direct damage. You might be doing that game. Mm. Oh, what with you having your mystique ready to go? Yeah, I got my Loctite out. It's now super glued onto the, uh, <laughs> the <map. laughs> onto the next rotation. Yeah, oh, I've got a damagey to. Uh, Pingy team tonight, actually. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, had to prize off Shriek and slap on this one. This will stay there for a while. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, any, anything else, or shall I talk about my team? Let's talk about your team. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, we've established the win condition was the rare Batman. 
Um, but the the actual the key thing going on with the team that I wanted to talk about was in light of our ramp discussion last episode, I wanted to try out some different ramp solutions and it, and basically threw quite a bit of stuff on. So I put Rush Rocket Raccoon on, the one that rushes with shields. I put Bat Signal on because I thought it's a shield dice that also does a bit of ramp for me, but it partners well with the Batman I was running. Uh, and I put Proxima Midnight on, who, when fielded, gives a discount. But she's also got the capacity to self-KO, which helps me with the, the Batman win condition too. And I can conclusively announce that Rush, as far as you know, single-player-controlled ramp goes, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, we tested it pretty scientifically. I think I'm not out of turn saying this. Yeah, it's Bobbins. Absolute bobbins, yeah. In fact, I'd I'd say bobbins plus two pants. (laughs) (laughs) It's trash, and it is so bad. It's like, oh, I just need to pull a shield character now. Oh no, yeah. And then next turn, oh, I've pulled out three shield characters and no rocket raccoon. Well, yeah, to apply a little bit of extra context for the listener. So one thing that I did was I put the huge smash basic action on it, uh, which has the global, uh, the old cake global on it, you know, where you pay one and then in your turn you can draw a die from your bag and then you have a decision to make whether you then put it back in the bag or put it in your use pile. So my thinking was in these situations, because I'd set the team up in a way where there was quite often going to be three sidekicks, a rocket raccoon, and a shield dice. You know, I'd kind of set it up so there was this sort of five dice situation where three of them were sidekicks, then rocket, and then I had the Robin, uh, the one that does the ping, you know, the uh, character removal, targeted removal when he's fielded, um, the bat signal and the proxima, all shield-based characters that were going to be rotating around a lot, specific, uh, particularly the action. Uh, and the idea was that with huge smash, I would draw and odds would dictate that I'd be drawing a sidekick more often than not that I could put in the use battle. And then I would be drawing rocket two sidekicks and the, the fourth dice would be one of my shield dice that was set up. And I must've done it 10 times through the game, the huge smash to balance that out. And almost every single time, in fact, no, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Every single time, no almost about it, I would draw the rocket or the shield dice. So clearly then I, I would decide that's going back in the bag. But then when I drew my four, what happened, folks? Yeah, that's right. You guessed it. I would draw three sidekicks and just one of the other two. So it's just yeah. too, I don't know didn't work out anywhere near as well as we thought it would. No, I, I think... no substitute for Swarm, is it? No. I rushed, like, what, once? Maybe twice through the whole game? Yeah, I think once or twice. Yeah. In fact, more of my ramp came from the, the bat signal. So that's the that's the the rare bat signal, ladies and gents, that I was using, which uh, lets you draw and roll the die, I think. Um, then if Batman's in the field, you get to draw, another, draw and roll another die. But then if Robin's in the field, you get to prep one as well. So yeah, that kicked off a few times for you. Yeah, that was loads better. Yeah, but of course, it's super situational because it, it was only any good for the team because I was specifically running a Batman and Robin team, you know what I mean? So in the wider sense of, uh, again, circling back around to the conversation about Ramp last week, Bat Signal's no good 
I don't think, you know, to pay two to have a rotating basic action dice that lets you, uh, not basic action, sorry, action dice that lets you draw and roll the dice, no good. If you've got a Batman and a Robin in the field, which I quite often did, and you're drawing a roll in two and prepping one, kind of works out. But yeah, so I've put Rush to bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, that's not even, nah. So yeah, I wanted to talk about that. But while I'm while I'm uh, bringing up our chat about Ramp last week, we did have a bit of correspondence. Some folks got in touch talking about our conversation last episode. Uh, mostly friends of the podcast that uh, just got into conversation with us through our Discord server. Uh, and if you if you'd like to come and join us and get involved in the conversation that we have in the Discord server, you'll find a link to to it down below. But there's Lots and lots of chatter goes on in there about a variety of subjects over and above Dice Masters. But there was a bit of conversation about the fact that I was referencing Cable, Rare Cable from Dark Phoenix quite a bit. The double damage one? Yeah, the double damage one. Essentially, the the the, the heart of the conversation, uh, it was uh, our friend Jocelyn from the Double Double and Dice podcast who brought it up, is that now with Barry Allen on the scene, Cable's kind of, you know, he's been usurped in terms of that big, big D energy. <laughs> When it comes to a massive uh, attack buff swing, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. He does double, doesn't he? It depends what characters you got out, surely. Uh, well, uh, if, if folks would like to share their thoughts, then I'd encourage you to go over to the Discord and, <laughs> yeah. and and reinvigorate that conversation. But yeah, I mean, I said that. I said double's double in it at the end of the day. But certainly in the more casual manner in which you and I play, Cable's perfectly viable, isn't he? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, but like then... A Wolverine oh. and a Colossus, then um, you're going to... Yeah. You'd prefer double than a plus two, because that's like, what, 16 and... Yeah, 16 attack as opposed to nine, but... Yeah. I suppose in the more competitive scene, when you've got certain dice that don't have as big a stats, you, you might be looking at that. I don't know. A plus yeah. I, I'll admit that I like um, Cable more than... Barry Allen. Oh, really? Just character-wise, I don't ability-wise. I don't think I played it enough. <laughs> Just like the character better. Yeah. Um, but then the the ramp conversation also um, got some correspondence. So uh, our friend uh, Barton jumped on and was just saying, like, yeah, uh, uh, we're definitely onto something. Uh, you know, the the whole ramp situation uh, with it being so crucial to your team. Um, and the fact that, yeah, you've got your standard ramp options like Wolverine and Magneto and, and what, you know, they're good. You know, Nick says, yeah, they're good. But uh, in fact, let me read it verbatim. Uh, I think bringing standard ramp options like Wolverine, Magneto and Villainous Pats are certainly good. They should win you games, but they don't tend to win tournaments. Uh, he then goes on to reference Mimic Ramp to say that how that, I suppose, in line with what we were discussing, how it really gave things like the Green Lantern team a massive boost, you know, mask-centric, which sort of ties into what we were saying last week about non-communal non-generic ramp that mm. also like we were talking about the use of masks weren't we and stuff um uh, fish slap being built around atlantis was another example he brought up you know this idea of you know when you feel the sidekick drawing rolling the dice and all that well so make the team around sidekicks and things so he goes on then to say the point being if you crack the code to bring something asymmetric that's how you really get the wins so kind of agreeing with us uh, i basically said we're spot on <laughs> yeah yeah basically said we're spot on uh troy uh our friend troy hello troy uh, otherwise known as york in the discord came and jumped in the conversation as well just sort of past comment about he likes the when attacks beast 
the uh, rare. So when he attacks, you prep a die from your bag. And he said that pairs up well with the basic action mutant research program that lets you draw and roll dice when you've got founders in the field. So he said he's been he's been playing around with that a bit. That's a, as a as a recommendation because obviously if if someone it, while it's still communal in the sense of it's it being a basic action, if your opponent's not got founders, then yeah, it's not. Uh, so I thought that was a great uh, suggestion. And he goes on to point out that while Wonder Woman would shut that down as a when attacks, she couldn't stop the mutant research program bit of it all. So I thought that was a great suggestion. Thank you, Troy. Uh, I think we'll we'll certainly be trying that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, maybe within the next hour or so. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, a bit of correspondence coming in around the ramp stuff, uh, and thanks to uh, also like uh, Collector Rob over from Breath Weapon X and stuff, uh, and Jocelyn for their contribution to the chat in the Discord on that subject as well. You never guess what? What? I had an email. No. Yep, sent to Andy at Britroller Six dot com. Wow. Okay. Well. I, I don't. I only see my own inbox now. I don't see yours, so I've got no idea what this is. So this is this is from a Sophie Clinton. She she emailed me uh, to to let me know that the UK named as the second best country for lawn bowling clubs. Oh, uh, goes through a, a whole study on that. Um, <laughs> no, I did get that one. It's <laughs> the first piece of uh, uh, correspondence that I've received uh, in the five years that we've been doing this podcast uh, I, I really appreciate that so i'd like to give you uh, a shout out sophie thank you very much uh, and um if you uh <laughs> you, you want to know more you can get hold of her on sophie at jbh.co.uk i'm sure she'd be really happy <laughs> did you uh, did you not get the one from lane g media announcing new wagamamas opening in towns across the uk due to increasing demand for wagamamas uh, that, that's the only email I have ever received. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, but if you want to get through the spam filter, I suppose. <laughs> but if you're interested in in Wagamama's opening new restaurants across the UK, then you want Ian at eggmediapr.com. I'm sure he'd appreciate you corresponding. <laughs> Do you know what? Controversial about Wagamama's. Oh. Just a posh pot noodle. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I don't think it's very good. Posh pot noodle. £10 for a pot noodle. I could get one in the corner shop for 85p. Thank you very much. Yeah, apparently the press release is for time as my toast. Yeah, no, I I agree. I'm not a fan either. I think that's uh, I share that unpopular hot take. And then also just carrying on with my what I've been up to uh, in terms of the Discord again. Actually, this is where this all went down. So if you are fairly active around and about on the socials and you've been on Facebook or or on the core on the main Dice Masters Discord server, then you'll know that in the lead up to the Worlds event taking place, WizKids are being churning out rulings on the WizKids Rules Forum left, right, and centre. Yeah, they have. Yeah. Now, we're not going to go through them all. It's plain and simple. It's there for everyone to hear and see who engages with our content. We are not rules people. (laughs) (laughs) But if, if you're interested, you can head on over. What I'm more interested in is the, I don't know, well, first things first, a couple of rules were published and then were rescinded or changed within 24 hours. Nice. Yeah. Confidence. <laughs> yeah, good skills. Uh, and then a couple of them were controversial. I think one of them you wanted to talk about, didn't you? Yeah, well, it, it coincides with I've been buying more storage for dice um, because we now have uh, energy dice to deal with. Mm. I, I need extra space to, 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 you know, to store these energy dice. Well, so though they're only dice, though. 
Right. I mean, you keep you calling them dice. They're only dice when you're actually holding them in your hand or using them with a dice tower or dice tray. When they are in storage or in any other location, like on a shelf, they're, they're called plastic indicator cubes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to need some more space for that. Yeah, sure. So only when you're playing with them are you allowed to refer to them as dice. When, when they're not being played with, you're to refer to them as uh, plastic indicator cubes. Indicator cubes. Got it. Yeah, because dice aren't, you know, things aren't what they are. <laughs> things are not what they seem. Yeah, they're not, they're not what they are when they are, you see. And, and something couldn't possibly be two things at the same time. That's just not permitted. So when you're rolling dice, they are dice, you know, or you're using a dice accessory, like a dice tower or a dice tray. So the, 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 the ruling <laughs> in brief basically is that uh, when a character dice is on its energy face in your reserve pool, mm-hmm. it's not a character dice anymore. It is deemed an energy dice. Yeah. They have introduced formally that you have now dice types and dice status. Stati? Stati. Statuses. Statuses? Stato. State status. 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 Dice status is status. Statuses. Which means that a character dice is a character dice in the sense of it is a dice that is associated with a character card and is a character dice for all of the purposes except for when it's rolled and if it lands on energy, and then in that instance, it ceases being a character dice, it then becomes an energy dice. So it's no longer a character dice on an energy face, which nope. is how many of us, or certainly those who don't engage with obscure rules lawyering around the rule book, uh, have played it and used them. So folks, just the same way as when it says a dice goes to used, except for when it doesn't, uh, a character dice is now a character dice, except for when it's not. So if you're, if you're out and about and you're in your local gaming store, maybe you're doing a demo night with some potential new players or something, then, um, yeah, that's re- remember to coach that. <laughs> it's, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one. It's kind of detriment to how we've played in the past. It makes a mockery of one of the new basic action cards that I was quite fond of. The uh, What's it called? Uh, lab Test. Lab Test, uh, which is, is obviously supposed to be a... a mini parallax so like you put it it's continuous and you get to roll a, a character dice mm. however you know when you want to roll a character dice is going to be say if you whiffed it uh on that important turn and you want to get it out so it's on its energy face uh so it doesn't really make a lot of sense uh, and, and the, the concern is it's it's just going to make things harder yeah Unnecessary, un- sorry unnecessarily necessity the unnecessarily harder <laughs> yes yeah that's um now uh, because we like to put the balance view out there um and we like to acknowledge that we're a community of players there there are some counter arguments to our position here that this is a layer of complexity that's not required um or is adding to making the process of coaching and recruiting new players more difficult uh, unless you're specifically trying to recruit a you know a rules lawyer who gets very excited about this level of rules complexity um, I think you said it quite well before. What did you, uh, when we were speaking about this, you said, uh, uh, you oh, said the thing is you need, you need strategic and tact- tactical complexity, but not rules complexity. Have I paraphrased you correctly there? Yes. Yeah, so, so you, you, you want a game that, that is, is, is hard to master um, and, and is, is complex in you know, tactics and, you know, how to win. 
but ultimately you want the how you play the game to be as simple as possible yeah you know that's it you want to be easy to pick up easy to get a hang of you know that you know 20 minutes to <laughs> to to learn 100 hours to master uh, and all that does is move that boundary in the wrong direction. Yes, absolutely the wrong time as well on the eve of yeah, you know the new yeah the Secret Wars rebranding, the introduction of the single player intro pack in the Origin packs and such like. So that's the view that we subscribe to. But there is a counter argument to say, well, actually, uh, this has been in the rule book all the time. There was one obscure. Um, sentence buried on the 50th page that referenced energy dice and therefore that must be the case and that there has been some rules interactions with i think there was a colossus that was mentioned to me that has uh, i didn't go away and investigate it because at, at, at a certain point when it actually gets into the complexity of the rules that's where i switch off but it has had an impact on the community a lot of people have come out and, uh, and said to me what's your take on this we think it's too it's making it more complex it's going to make it more difficult to introduce new players and yeah, I don't know. I just, it never feels comfortable to me when there's, now it might just be the, the next version of the first turn three dice that we've balked at it because of the, because it's, uh, yeah. it's the, the type of change that causes discomfort. And actually once we settled into the groove of it, it'll be fine. But I just think the timing's wrong. Yeah. I think the difference between that is that the, the first turn three dice was there for a reason. Hmm. Yeah, it's there for a reason. It's because there was a big, um, you know, advantage of going first, so it kind of counterbalanced that. Whether sure. it was, you know, really got that really balanced is another question. But you know, it was there for a reason. This, this, the only reason that I can see this is um, someone in middle management somewhere in WizKids wanting to make himself look clever. And <laughs> it sounds harsh because, like don't like to, 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 to bash him and, and you know there's plenty of great things that they do that make the game whatever you know we'll, we'll run with it and you know you can you do what you want with the rules really is if you're playing against each other at home yeah I mean the, the thing I suppose uh, in amongst all of this is that I'm still yet to see a convincing dice situation like someone give me a scenario where this has been damaging someone's play experience yeah compared to other things <laughs> do you know what I mean? That is damaging. I can, and I can't see that there is no capacity in my brain to accept the fact that there's a world in which a single dice that possesses many faces cannot be more than one thing at once. You know, that it can't be... The dice itself indicates that it's a character and then the face of the dice is indicating what action you can take with it. And why, why it can't just be a character dice on an energy face? <laughs> I don't get it. And it's, 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 it's not labour on it too much. It's just it's just a very odd thing uh, that's that's come about for um, no real reason. Like how long did it take them to rule on imprisoned? Mm. Three years. Yet yeah, this kind of just this really kind of just obscure thing that doesn't really change or changes one basic action that gets you to re-roll a, a character dice. Um, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's, and I suppose that at the heart of it all, that's by the very nature of the rules lawyering proportion of the community getting under the skin of that and then going to the WizKids rules forum to ask the question, have they created the situation? Do you know what I mean? Like they've just made a self-fulfilling prophecy because they've asked the question to clear up the language, the slight disparity. 
in the yeah. rule book. Does, but, does not sit well. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, and then I, that's it. That's it for me. Yeah. Having a chuckle at, <laughs> at the rules, yo yo in, in and out, back and forth, and then the various <laughs> debate that takes place around them. Uh, and then the game with you. And that's all I got to report. Yeah. So cool. should we get should we get into the worldsy stuff then? The world is not enough. Yeah. So for uh today's episode, folks, we're gonna be focusing on the WizKids World Championship event that is taking place across the fifteenth to the eighteenth, although their recent Facebook post said the nineteenth, so maybe there's some stuff going oh, on on Monday that they've not day. announced. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and therefore uh what we've done is we prepared it's kind of one large segment that's broken down into three sub-segments because we've gathered up some previous champions, national champions and world champions, to discuss their thoughts about what the meta might be about, um, to discuss their practice, um, you know, their, their playing, how they go about winning events in terms of team building and playing, and what their predictions are for this year uh, and we'll of course return then after the event has taken place to see how accurate those predictions are as well as sharing our own thoughts so um i think yeah let's just get into it shall we man let's do it let's do it yes okay then folks welcome back it's world's chat time uh, although to be very clear we're, we're focusing this conversation very much on the modern constructed competitive events that are u.s nationals and the world championship so while there's a lot of stuff going on through worlds there's global escalation there's loads of drafts and stuff we're focusing just on the the champion you know the belt winning events themselves the main event Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and we have invited a couple of pundits to share some thoughts. Uh, we weren't in a position to get them together live, so they've pre-recorded some responses to some questions that we've asked them in advance. Uh, so uh, we should let them introduce themselves, I think, shouldn't we? Let's do it, yeah. Let's, let's see who we've got. Yeah, okay. So first up, we have a previous world champion, uh, a previous world championship finalist, and uh, I think the father of the team was also a US national champion at one point. It's, of course, Arjun Lucan from Rolling Thunder. All right. Hey, Chris and Andy. We are here, Lucan and I, that is. We are literally on our way out the door to bring him to college. And I remembered, oh, my God, I promised Chris that I would do this. So for what it's worth, which is... Absolutely nothing, given that we've done little playtesting, little to no playtesting, play as I've been gallivanting around in Ireland for the last month, and Lucan has been preparing for his... I had a solo recital at the end of the summer, so that was a pretty difficult program that I had to put together. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But at any rate, here is our two cents worth probably minus 50 cents. Next up, we've got the incumbent. Is it incumbent? Is that the right word? The current yeah. sitting world champion. Although he's very, also very eager to point out to me uh, when we were corresponding a couple of weeks ago that he's the uh, current online world champion as well. I think he's bringing that up because I'm a previous online world champion, of course. He's also a previous UK ch- champion. Absolutely. As, as am I. And and U.S. national champ, I think, at one point or other, um, and Canadian championship finals. Anyway, uh, incredible pedigree. His comments are worthy of respect. It is, of course, Ben Said Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's Ben here. As a former UK Canadian 
uh, national champion and current world and online world national champion. Uh, Chris and Andy have asked me to give some advice about what's going to be happening at Worlds this year. And finally, last and by very means least also, (laughs) (laughs) we have the Canadian national champion and again, high seed placing uh, competitor in the previous world championship in 2019. We have CCM 0007, Laurier. Right, there we go. And of course, you have the opinions of the uh, former UK national champion 2017. And unofficial 2022. And the uh, virtual world... What did I win? I don't even remember what I won. True Worlds. Yeah. What year did I win it? (laughs) I don't even know. 18? 17? No. 2019, 2020. No, 2019 was Euros. I went to the Euro Championships in 2019. It was COVID. It was when... COVID, weren't we? No, I didn't win it the year of COVID. Oh, Lord knows. I don't know. You should take more notice of these things. Yeah. I was a, I'm was. i a virtual world champion from a previous virtual world. There was only like eight players or something anyway. <laughs> There's what? There's players of people. People's the most ever at an online event. No, I didn't know. I think it was maybe a Dice Masters versus Cancer that did that. But in any case, uh, as we all know, regular listeners will be aware that I'll share my opinion one way or another. And the first theme we asked for their comments on was about what is going to be big this year. And we categorized it down into three key areas. We asked whether it's going to be beat sticks, whether it's going to be control, or whether it's going to be some kind of wombo combo. So let's have a quick listen to what our pundits thought. Uh, I my feeling is with all the taunts and no static field slash distraction, uh, I think that we're dealing with beat sticks with maybe one or two either just you know board clears or just super muscle like the berry for sure. What's your what's your thought, Lucan? I mean, again, absolutely the same vote as you. Uh, haven't done a ton of play testing. That stands to reason. If you haven't been play testing, neither have I, since we usually play test against each other. Um, but I mean, I agree, uh, from the recent tournament results, it seems like Barry Allen's very strong right now. Um, you know, frontline teams also seem all right. Um, burn is, I don't see that going anywhere. Cause like Whiskids himself said that they're looking at Thor as a potential issue. Um, and I'm so you mean Thor, you up. think Thor is really still so strong is what you're saying. I, I think yeah, it's yeah. competitive. Like, oh, I, sure. I don't know, just like spitballing here. And mm-hmm. then also, you know, I, that Wonder Woman reads really good. I don't know if it's, there's a reliable way to make that you know, super, super, super powerful and consistent, but I hope so. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's question one. Well, I think the lack of distraction global and the myriad of force attack globals, especially like when the cards with force attack globals are really good, means that control is basically dead. Uh, Drax and Typhoid Mary are strong cards, but I think will be just forced off too easily uh, and not useful because you can't protect them in any meaningful way, really or any way that's not incredibly expensive, i.e. the True Believer Global. Similarly, I think removal is not as strong. The used piles are going to be really thin, the bags are going to be basically empty, um, and with the Robin Global and others that make characters free to field, stuff like Master Mold with its three, attack, uh, three fielding is not going to mean as much to remove. Um, so I think removal is not going to be useful either. The meta is just basically incredibly fast. 
those consistent four or five turn kills uh, with Barry and Master Mold. And I think the two turn turbo format, which is basically you prep and sinister on your first turn, don't buy anything, just prep your bag. And sinister means that turn two is just so turboed up that you can buy a six, seven cost and prep it very easily, particularly if you're going second which means that turn three you're having to deal with a Master Mold or a Barry or a Shazam or a Wonder Woman even. And I think that's just so fast that um, removal and kind of control pieces are just going to not see any play. It's going to be big beat sticks um, all the way, I think, this year. Yeah, I don't see how it could be anything but beat sticks. Three of the big four win conditions in Modern, namely Master Mold, Mary Shazam, and Barry Allen, all involve big characters punching you in the face. So I'm going to say Beat Sticks. Right, okay. Interesting thoughts then from our pundits there. Uh, I think, well, a firm consensus that it's going to be a big Beat Stick here this year. Yeah, they, they say that. I mean, I'd like to throw a, an alternative uh, opinion out there. I know that they are significantly strong wind conditions. However, we have in the current new, 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 new modern um, reprints of pretty much all the meta shaking control pieces. Mm. So we've got the reprint of, uh, so let's start off with the reprint of Shriek, the reprint of Blob. You got the reprint of uh, Zombie Magneto. You got the reprint of. Uh, what's his face? Trap Destroyer, Jinzo. Um, you've got the reprint of Wonder Woman in Wonder Woman. Like all, you've got Oracle with Pip the Troll, and yeah, you've got, you've got another. You've got the reprint of um, Black Widow with sure. Uh, so so every all of these like mainstay, really really strong. Um, like at some point or other, they were the um, you know, a, a piece in a very strong competitive team. They're all available to be used. They are. I think, uh, I mean, going back to uh, Arjun Lucan's comments and Ben's comments specifically, um, the, the the prevalence of force attacking, of taunt globals, uh, and the lack of, uh, as Ben described it, any meaningful way of preventing uh, your key control pieces from being taunted away. And the fact that, you know, people playtesting for worlds uh, you know i was talking to uh, barton uh, over instant message the other day about the uh, that the kind of high speed barry allen uh, mr sinister global uh, black dwarf and wolverine global shenanigans that so you're buying it in your first turn and all this means that you just haven't got the the room to get your control out and when you do it it struggles to stay around for any length of time yeah I get it. I just I don't know. With um, I mean, with the taunt global, with the uh, the, the force attack, does bringing it affect those fast teams? I mean, is there a? I mean, I suppose you force an attack of five five counter with um, master mold, um, or or force attacking like a Barry Allen that you, you won't want to attack anyway. But I mean, could it affect your own team? No, I think evidence is suggesting that that's not the case. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's hugely concerning for me. Uh, in fact, something you mentioned before about uh, the three dice on the first turn, 
uh, made this jump into my head because it, it, it and the Ben's comments kind of echo this. There is definitely a bit of a feeling of whoever gets their their beat stick out first is going to win. Yeah, so it's going to be t- depends kind of even more so on the luck and if you roll it and how you roll it and if you go first, if you go second, which is. Hey, I mean, with an ever-shifting meta, like, I don't really see it as being that much of a problem because it's constantly changing. We had a time when direct damage was the key. We've had times where control is the key. We've had times before where um, beat sticks are the key. So, you know, it's I wouldn't, I'm not massively worried about it because, you know, give it a few months and something else, you know, it's going to, you know, transcend onto something else. Uh, but, I mean, there are the tools out there. And I don't know how they'd be, you know, how to use them, but there's, you know, there, there is a lot of control available to us. Yeah, I think uh, the the thing I'm sitting in hope of is that I would like control, or certainly some sort of wombo combo thing to come out the woodwork. I, I want to see, uh, you know, a fish slap surprise in the world's lists. Uh, I'd be very disappointed in some respects if there's, you know, a uh, it, it is just Barry Allen and Mastermolds smashing into each other for hours on end in Memphis um, with no end in sight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. With some slight variation around uh, the odd bit and bat here and there, but largely speaking, it's your beat stick, your sidekick makers, and then your ramp and churn globals to get you to there super fast, you know? And I'd, I'd like to think that there's someone, you know, a bit of a brewer out there who's sitting on top of something right now and is going to turn up and everyone's going to go, oh, whoa, I didn't even, you know what I mean? I, I'm praying, but I think, sadly, I think it's, it's going to be quite net decky. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that, that history has shown us that there are, like certainly over in the US com- competitions when we've seen them pull that before, there are the uh, the guys over there who do have that mindset, do look for that something a bit different. Um, do in their kind of local meta, they they play with a card that has got under the ra- radar everywhere else. I mean, th- they are there. There is quite a lot of, um, you know, oh, that works. We're going to use it. Uh, and, and I think kind of where the you have the Nationals and then the Worlds, Worlds kind of duplicate what goes well with Nationals, which, you know, makes sense if you want to do well. Mm. Um, but more often than not, there is that that kind of, new idea or, or there'll be people now listening to this maybe um when they're getting <laughs> ready that that you know, they've got that idea they've been working on it we're not going to know about it yet because they want to keep it as a surprise uh but no doubt uh, it will come out of the woodwork and then you'll see it duplicated uh in worlds but then not played as well because it's like, you know, the person who's done well in nationals <laughs> has been you know practicing it for months and months and months yeah 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 um, but yeah, it, it, it is exciting um, when you see all the team lists out and you're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't even know what that does. Let's have a flick through, see what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is yeah, exciting. I, I, hope, I hope so too. I hope there's something a bit left field that comes out. Uh, and certainly with the amount of new cards, I mean, I can't admit to reading through all of the, the, the new stuff. Um, hopefully there's some little nugget that someone's caught up, you know, caught their eye on. Yeah, I hope so. I just think, uh, I, I suspect we might see, you know, 30 to 40 Barry Allen and uh, Master Mold teams with perhaps the odd bit of, you know, like uh, Laurier mentioned, uh, Mary Shazam, maybe a 
super rare Thor from Infinity Gauntlet here or there. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, I suspect that's yeah. maybe what we're going to see. Although, you know, that all that said, fundamentally, a championship play at this level, uh, the uh, the hierarchy, the meta hierarchy, is is always going to be thinner at the top, isn't it? The, you know, the yeah, best the best is the best, so we have to acknowledge that as well. Uh, cool. You see oh. more Mary Allens than Master Molds just because of the the rarities, and um, then you'll have the people that have gone right. I'm going to see quite a few Mary Allens, so that means I'm going to take this, this, and this. Kind of yeah. So, yeah yeah that's right although as uh, as as ben alluded to you know it's easier to tech against barry allen than it is against master mold so uh yeah uh, we'll see but there we go i think interesting thoughts we'd be interested to hear yours if you catch this before the big event but of course we'll be revisiting that after the uh, the big event so should we move on to the next theme my man yep let's do it Okay then, folks, so our next kind of theme area that we asked the pundits to comment on was about their tournament practice, if you will. Uh, By that, I mean tournament best practice. And asked them to give us a top tip apiece around building teams for a championship and then playing that team in a championship. So let's have a listen to what our contributors had to say on that subject. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I think whatever you build... Build something that you're going to enjoy playing for the entire day. I've gone down both roads where I thought, oh, I'm going to build the team that I think is the strongest. And every time I've done that, I've just gone so sick of the team by the end of the day that I'm almost like throwing matches just to get out of playing it anymore. So build something you really like playing that gives you some joy, because that's really what this is about. You should have fun. You're meeting people. You're playing in real life, which in my opinion is still the best way to play this game. And you know, play something you're just gonna, you know, just gonna get your juices flowing. How about how about you, you Luke? And what do you think? Um, I mean, that sounds like good advice to me. Um, from my perspective, it's you know, on the one hand, if you think that you can corner the meta and you've done your all your play testing and you can find something that's kind of out of the box that's going to, you know, match up really well, by all means, take some big risks. Um, but at the same time. Like, if you don't have the time, just do the meta hodgepodge and just practice that to make it work. And yeah. if you're enjoying it, like, okay, maybe you won't win, but you'll probably do well. Um, you, maybe you will win, you know. Yeah. Um, hell, Victor, he won in 20, was that 2018? No, 2017 Worlds with the Shield Ring team. I'm not saying that Victor wasn't an excellent player, but I'm saying he picked up that team the day before Worlds when he saw how well it did at Nats. Right. That was a great right. team. And, but I guess the, the point I want to jump in on there, as you said, the second question was two playing in a championship. And, and again, as it, it, the more you can practice beforehand, the better you're going to do. Um, you know, obviously, we've just said that having going, going with zero practice. And I think you'll see that reflected in our records if we show up. But if you practice and you're ready, you're going to be in so much better shape. Uh, so that's what I would say. So some advice um, for the tournament. My advice actually before any tournament would normally be to have a flexible team. Make sure you can win fast or get into a control game if you need to. However, the meta is so fast at the moment that I think that piece of advice is less good. Mid-range teams uh, and control teams are not going to be as useful as they were. It's going to be big bomb teams that win. So with that in mind, really focus on your three-turn theory. What are you going to do in the first three turns to ensure that you can win the game? 
if that means by turn three you're going to have one woman out so you can control your opponent enough that your slower win condition can win, then fine. But how are you going to get that one woman out by t- going first, going second? Or if you're going to hit your opponent for 11 plus damage with like rare Superman or something, fine. How are you going to do that consistently? Going first, going second. That third turn is massive. Always has been, but even more so now with Barry and Master Mong being as prevalent and powerful as they are. Having that kind of clear focus will help you settle into the games. Some advice for me from playing in any kind of championship. I, uh, my advice would be to be as outwardly relaxed as possible. One of the things that I think is a real boon is if you have a team that can win fast and you win a game, maybe go just patrolling around, go and look at other games. People will see you, they'll be like, how's he won so fast? Why is he looking so relaxed? Uh, just getting up that little, little extra pressure for when they play you, maybe they'll make a mistake that way. Going into games, focus really on not making those mistakes. You've already built a team that you know can win. You've already built a team that you're comfortable with playing, or you should have built a team, I guess, that you're comfortable with playing. So just avoid those mistakes. Avoid trying to push damage when you need to keep something back, or vice versa. Don't miss a possibility of doing some damage which could push you over the edge. Especially don't miss lethal. Be extra careful. Just be relaxed, calm as you can. Focus on what your team is doing. Being mindful of the globals and basic actions your opponent has bought is also a huge part of the game. If you know that your opponent's basic action is good for your team, then why not buy it an earlier turn than you would normally? It will change what they might do. It might stress them out a little bit. Or if you know a global that they have, is going to be useful for your team. How are you best going to use that Dark Phoenix Global, for example? How are you going to use them as Sinister Global? Um, using that and then knowing your opponent's stuff will throw them off a little bit. Uh, we'll put pressure on them to make sure that they're using your pieces effectively. I'd also say that vary what you're doing from game to game. If you win the first game and it's the best two out of three, um, then the second game try and do something different. That will your opponent will try and tech against what you did in the first game. If you do something slightly different, then you'll throw them off. And it'll again, just put pressure on them, force them into making those mistakes you should not be making. Well, build for your team early. Don't allow yourself to build the night before a major tournament. You will drive yourself insane and you will exhaust yourself. And then for playing in a championship, manage your energy. <laughs> Big tournaments take a while. So when you're going to a live event like Memphis, not just an online event where you play a match a week, but a live one like Memphis, manage your energy because you will be tired by the time Top Cut happens. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, then, once again, very interesting, fascinating thoughts from our contributors there. Andy, have you got any um, thoughts on team building for a championship or playing in a championship? Uh, yeah, it's uh, practice, practice, practice. Um, I'm a firm belief that a like a 0.5 tier team uh, can beat uh, a tier one team uh, if you 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 know how to play it better than, say, your opponent knows how to play their team. 
so practice, practice, know what your cards are, uh, know what your, you know, how you're going to win, what your third turn is going to be, what your first, second, third, fourth, what you're going to do in different situations. Um, really think and, and know what each card does, why they're, why they're there and, and, and practice it and, and really know your team. You know your team that you're halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And yeah, certainly, uh, uh, that was referenced a number of times by our contributors there as well. So I think it's uh, it's the old Mike Plum method, isn't it? 100%. Practice, practice, yeah. practice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then Ben made reference to getting your first three turns pinned down. Oh, did it? was it in this section that you mentioned it? I think so. Well, either he's just mentioned it in the bit I've just played to you, or he's going to mention it. He's, in, in, to. he's, he's mentioned it in a different <laughs> section because uh, I can't remember what order we've sliced this stuff up in. But um, yeah, so that idea of practice, uh, and you know, we, we've heard it a million times before. That whole thing about is it a good idea to change your team last minute? Or I think there, there's perhaps something about. Uh, like like you mentioned before, a bit perhaps a bit of a change or a transformation of your team from nationals, US nationals on you know on the Saturday over to the uh sorry, on the Friday over to the championship on the uh, the world championship on the Saturday. Yeah, I mean it, it's if you play in the nationals and you get your arse handed to you, it might be worth trying to change it up a little bit or at least seeing why and making some tweaks to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? But yeah. then quite often or not, there'll be a, a whole different set of, of you know, teams being played uh, depending on what did well the last time around. So you've got to see what's done well and, and adjust accordingly. But know your team. Yeah. Believe yeah. yourself. Absolutely. I, I got battered that day before um, uh, Nationals with the same team. I was, I, I was done at lunchtime, mate. I, I was raging. <laughs> I, lost, I lost all my games i was done by lunchtime i was at lunch and then um i got told to think that i was the buy after lunch and i wasn't going to qualify so uh uh is your uh is your is your, your uh, participation cards <laughs> um, uh, and then i went on to win it the next time so you never know you just don't know yeah yeah, absolutely. Although I must admit, I do feel there's something about what uh, Arge was saying with regards to playing stuff that you find fun, playing stuff that you enjoy, playing stuff that you can um, sustainably engage with through the duration of a tournament event, where win or lose, at least you know you've enjoyed the team that you've played with. Yeah, I think there's a balance, though. I mean, it's not fun getting battered. So you know, taking a <laughs> You know, taking a, a, trying to think like a, just something dire because you like, you know, well, taking yeah. the Avengers team of just random Avengers out of Dark Phoenix and Avengers Infinity because you like the Avengers, but they don't, you know, combination well uh, and they lose every team. It's probably not going to be that much fun. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. Get that balance right. Sure. Yeah, but we all know I don't have that killer instinct. I find it just as unfun to be delivering the the face smashing as it is to be receiving the face smashing. Um, I'd rather win on my own terms with some kind of achievement unlock process. <laughs> but I, I've definitely said it in the past. I've built teams. Uh, this was during the Bard meta. I built teams and entered W specifically WKOs on the understanding and the knowledge that I probably wasn't going to win my games, but I was just going to make it 
a game that was engaged with and forced the bard player to have to do a full 45 minutes of play yeah. <laughs> best of two you know because that that's where uh, my enjoyment comes from i think a world championship or a national championship especially when there's prestige and prizing on the line that's not so much the case but um yeah play yeah. to a timer when you practice probably a little bit late if you listen to this now that's <laughs> something that you need to do because yeah your team might win over an hour and a half but Especially when you go to the when it's thirty five minute one and done rounds, you you need to 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 kind of have an idea of the speed of your team. Yeah, the one and done takes uh, it like really amps up the oh, it's horrific the luck element as well. You know, if you really yeah. do have a, a bad uh, role, and it what am I trying to say? Yeah, if you really do roll badly and it messes up your whole your whole <laughs> match. Yeah, I, I whiffed my master mod. I'm yeah. out of the competition. Let's go yeah. and look at Elvis's Cadillac. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And then you look at the team list of the winning team at the end and you go, that's like card for card, exactly the yeah. same as my team. <laughs> but, you know, one of your old characters, the other didn't. Which again, I suppose, circles us back round to uh, a, a potential meta issue at this very moment in time um, for this particular world's event that may come and pass when secret wars comes along um so we'll see yeah cool okay and what about playing in the championship you know uh, the guys had some thoughts ben was talking about your kind of your attitude and your demeanor about staying calm and uh, developing your focus not missing opportunities stuff like that uh, you got any thoughts or advice about playing in the championship um you're a bit of a nervous nelly aren't you when you play i am yeah i, I have to say that it's like I really, I mean, it's good advice. It's not any that I've followed. Um, but I remember the first couple of get like like tournaments that I went to. I mean, the 2016 Nationals was the first one I went to uh, and getting like the proper shakes, like the adrenaline shakes. It's like, well, have I got the shakes? It's like, oh, because, you know, I haven't done anything competitive since I played sports at school. But no, I, I just like to... I try not to take it too seriously, I suppose, which is the kind of thing like being calm is that I'd rather have a good game than get into an argument with someone about turn zero. (laughs) Right. When is turn zero? (laughs) Your last five turns are actually your last six turns. Roll your energy dice to see. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm quite a bit of a a, a jittery kind of, or can be to start off with. But um, I like get a good night's sleep. Like, mate, I am so much better during the day than like in our evening games when I'm like kind of chill and and you know it's the end of a long day. My brain doesn't kind of click in as as much as it does when we go to kind of play out you know face to face and it's during the day so get get some good rest in uh and um like concentrate <laughs> just concentrate yeah concentrate and, and try and enjoy it because like if you're not enjoying it then you're really wasting your precious time away from your family and work and try to take it too seriously i find it better if i'm not if yeah suppose Maybe not karma, but just happy to be there regardless of the result. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is possibly where I do differ because I, I genuinely don't feel nervous or anxious. I operate entirely on the assumption that I'm going to be losing the event. And so I've just turned up to hang out with some folks. <laughs> Uh, and i always enjoy my games i'd much rather the game lasted you know so i always try and play it in a way that even if i'm going to lose let's at least make it a chess match i mean you've been at events with me you know what i'm like i just yeah i just i just talk all the way through the game annoyingly yeah but you don't do it as in maliciously i would never do anything uh to maliciously put off my opponent that's not how i roll uh there's plenty of people out there that will try and get some kind of psychological advantage you know, ben hinted on wandering around it's not quite the same thing um I, I wouldn't do that i'd rather win a game by beating someone at their best than yeah yeah some kind of snidey little thing that you know <laughs> has, has caused them to to misplay um but then that's that's the british in me <laughs> there have been times where i've got into the zone actually i think to be fair uh there has been one or two matches where i would be like oh i could win this and i've kind of gone for it or um there was one opponent one time who if you've been on the uk scene for a while you'll possibly know who i'm talking about but uh, there was one opponent who played a bit s- sketchily at times um interpret that as you will and I just I didn't want to lose to that individual, and there was a couple of folks sort of having a bit of a natter behind me, and I had to sort of turn around and say, "Hey, do us a favour, lads. I'm, I'm trying to concentrate." So I have got in the zone before. To be fair, I think it'd be inaccurate of me to say that I'm always like super chill, but I genuinely often don't play to win. So I suppose that's the <laughs> says the true world's champion of a year at some point. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, maybe one begets the other, perhaps. The fact that I just uh, I entirely approach it as a, a, an opportunity to socially engage and play a game with some other people means that I'm on a better form. I remember getting to the top eight, or was it top? Yeah, top eight uh, when I won it uh, and being like, <laughs> I got into the top eight. <laughs> like proper non, like calm, but like, I can't believe it. I got to top eight. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I got in the top eight, and then people were like, "Ugh, leave me alone." <laughs> Not me. I think I, I would have been there having a chat. Well, that's where that's where the beginnings of this partnership was formed. Was probably because I was probably because I was the only one willing to talk to you after, <laughs> <laughs> after you'd Ultraman me to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Okay, well there you go, folks. I hope, I hope you found that conversation somewhat useful. Just you know, just stay calm, just concentrate. <laughs> just do well just do well and you'll do well <laughs> all you need to do is do 20 damage on the other side of the board yeah just like that yeah i don't know what could call done a whole segment on nothing basically just just do it <laughs> right put the ball in the net yeah <laughs> should we move on to the next theme all right then, folks. So our next theme, we... Uh, so this was a, a question that when we had Rob from Dice Station Zebra on with us, uh, just in the, the kind of organic conversation we were having, Rob, this this subject came up. So I thought it might be prudent to ask our pundits for their thoughts as well. Rob, of course, is a finalist uh, and uh, in the Canadian National Championship and as a high-seeded player in a world championship himself, you know, I thought uh, we should kind of get 
some more views on this. So I asked the question, it feels to us, and we've discussed it at great length on the podcast of late, it feels to us that it's quite a global heavy matter and that it's going to be like global mania at Worlds this year. And so what I asked Rob and what I was curious about with from our pundits' point of view was, will they be so popular that you don't even need to bring your own? That if you prepare a team that can win without any globals, but practice to use other globals, is there something there? I don't know. Let's hear what they had to say anyway. You know, there's just a rule of thumb. I think there will be a lot of globals kicking around. But if you need a global to get to your seven cost or you need something else to make your team work, you'd better bring it because as soon as you lose one game at Worlds, you may be out of the money and you'll run into that one team where somebody didn't bring the globals you need and you could be in deep trouble. So I'd be really reluctant not to bring the globals you need to get your team up and running. What what do you think, Lucan? I'll put it this way. Uh, I think globals are going to be prevalent enough that I'm going to want Jocasta on my team in all likelihood. It's not not guaranteed, not making any promises, but it's not particularly unlikely. Um, But not prevalent enough that I'm not going to be putting a lot of these super powerful globals on my team when uh, when I need them. Like, obviously, if you... If you're only using one three cost, if you don't have like a very consistent turn three or four kill with that, uh, Dark Phoenix probably isn't necessary. You can let your opponent bring that. But if you need Mr. Sinister for your team to run, like, yeah, bring Mr. Sinister. Don't. Yeah. And again, the, the rule on this is just a real simple rule of thumb is if you can, you think you can use it better than your opponent, go for it. But if you know there's a team that's out there that can take that global and then supercharge their own team to your detriment, you might want to steer away or away from, from that global. Globals are going to be very prevalent um, in the online Dice Fight XL kind of practice worlds. I use nefarious broadcasts to try and negate a little bit of the Mr. Sinister um, usage from my opponent and the force tap usage from my opponent. I think that could see some play. Uh, it's a useful little two-cost basic action, which cancels all globals. I think something like the Pip, maybe, um, or the Gene Grey, which increases the cost of globals, might be a useful kind of control piece, although, again, they can be forced out very easily. Um, same with the Lilandra Super Rare, which taxes your opponent life for using globals. Um, yeah, so I think the... the Globals are going to be obviously a big issue. So should you bring your own or should you just rely on your opponents? Well, my advice for that has always been the same. Basically, bring what you need to win at the bare minimum. Don't expect your opponent to have anything, but know that you're going to see Sinister, Dark Phoenix, even the Black Dwarf Globals, loads of prep globals everywhere. So can your team win without you bringing both prep globals and Miss Sinister, and Dark Phoenix. If you can free up one slot, maybe get rid of the Dark Phoenix, or get rid of the Villainous Pack Global, or the Wolverine Global. For one of your other things, if you're bringing Barry, you have the Prep Global by itself, so do you need Wolverine as well? You can free up a card slot by kind of hoping that your opponent will bring something that's just useful useful for you to bring. Uh, So I think that's a good idea. Basically, play what... Imagine your opponent has no globals. Can you still win the way you want to win? Then great. That's the minimum you need to bring. It'll be the same as it always is. 
you bring the globals that help you more than your opponent. You bring what you need to win. If you're bringing a six or seven cost win condition and you don't bring the globals to give you the ramp you need, well, you're not going to win reliably. So really, you bring what you need to win. That's always been the case. No global should be on every team. But bring the ones you need. Okay, so there's our pundit's thoughts. Andy, where are you at with this one? I'd, I'd take globals. I like globals. Um, <laughs> I like globals, so, mate. I like globals, so I'll take them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've got a massive concern about other people taking my globals because they can, you know, they could have taken them themselves. So what's what's the what's the bother? Um, so I don't have that hang up in regards to it. I won't take globals that I don't. You know, I'll take the ones that I want and the ones that will help me win, uh, and it will be. It won't be something like. It won't be something like when we play on the, uh, you know, on a, on an evening, uh, and I'll take some just some stuff. Like there will be ones that help me win. You know, there won't mm. be just like a, a, you know, I wouldn't put a prep global on my team unless I know that I need it for my second turn. Usually, it's like the second turn prep. Yes, yeah. Needed in order to get where you want for for the rest of the game. Uh, so if I don't need that, I won't take it. Whereas in you know a far round game, I might just take it because. I'm looking for an eighth card. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what the guy said there. One thing about globals that I have noticed and what I have done in the past is a lot of players do not click or think about using your globals because they've done the whole thing. It's like, well, I'm going to take this one because I need it. Yes. And I've got this one I need. It. I'm not going to take that one. And then, then they they won't click because obviously the, the, you know, the pressure and trying to make sure you get things right. They won't clock what you've got on the other side of the the board and as much as you don't want to get a drop into a, a parallax trap or a trap where you're like oh you've got dark phoenix let me use that oh no i can't use my villainous pack that i really needed for my third turn for my whole setup yeah um, you need to clock what's over there uh, and don't be afraid to use it often it's the case that i'll have something left over and i'll be like what can i do with this uh and, <laughs> and, and, and it just kind of stems from that but what i've also done which is slightly more sneaky is that if I see that a global, that, that they could use a global very well, I might refrain from using it for a while. If that makes sense. So, so I'll give a crap example, but I'll give an example. So say if, if you've got a uh, counter strike to so move that or, or Xanathar is a good one yeah. where you move the psychic over. If you do it, your opponent's going to go, Oh yeah, that's that global and start churning and using it all the time. But if you're like, I could Xanathar, was it, is it going to help that much this turn? Maybe not. But if they do it next turn, it's really going to piss me off. Then I might just leave it for a few turns. <laughs> 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 because the benefit of me not highlighting to them that I have this global that will benefit them uh, works. And, and that I've noticed it. I mean, it seems to happen quite a lot. I mean, less so much in our games because we and I suppose less so much online because it's right in your face. Um, but when you're, you're opposite each other and you've got to kind of lean over a bit and uh, you, you're focused on your team, uh, then it can be the case. So definitely clock what you, your opponent's got. Don't be um, like, also, like, I've played games where like there's cards on the other side and I've been like, mm, I don't really know what that does. 
<laughs> I don't want them to know that because we're in this competitive event. Um, <laughs> or I've not got my glasses. I can't quite read it. And I don't know. Uh, just, just ask, like, sod it. Just say, right, what's that one? What does it do? What's that one? What does it do? If you beat them, then it makes you look better because you don't even know what half the cards are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, um, use, use your opponent's globals. But be careful that it doesn't screw you and don't be afraid to, to have a look and see what they've got and ask them if you're not sure what anything is. That's quite yeah. good advice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, there is a consensus there, isn't there, from the pundits and yourself around this whole idea of you, you go, however useful they may be to your opponent, you've got to bring them if you're going to, if you need them. You know, as Arj said, you know, just in case you come across that one team <laughs> that hasn't got a bit that you could you could do with and again in a one and done kind of Swiss tournament situation that could make all the difference between going up or going home so yeah. Parallax is a great example of that because I can't remember I had a team where I bought Parallax but it wasn't really for that re-roll trap I can't remember why I had it it was for, for something but it wasn't just to kind of I've not got the character I want I need to re-roll this again oh, I'm going to try it again I can't remember what I did with it but it was a well whatever it was it was probably illegal you can't do it anymore yeah <laughs> whatever but uh, for example if you if you brought a global to for a, a specific thing like that was perfect because you just watch someone go down that hole <laughs> you just have parallax yeah. and it'll win you the game it was against Troy do you remember and he used like yeah, yeah. and he had lethal and he parallaxed it away and then he got lethal again and then he parallaxed it away again um, so we were all watching going uh, what is going on <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why. I can't remember why I needed it for the Ultraman team, to be fair. It wasn't, but it was a specific thing, like just to roll something or I can't remember, but whatever. Um, That's just reminded me of something, actually. Sorry to interrupt, but while it's at the forefront of my mind, I'm just going to spear it out. Uh, Buried right in the depths of the episode, folks. I was talking to WizKids just yesterday. It's looking very unlikely that they're going to be streaming the event live. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, looking very unlikely. So uh, if we get lucky, maybe they'll get it sorted out in the next week. But uh, at this moment in time, it's it's not going to happen. They're going to endeavour to try and record some of the games and post them later. But live streams, probably not going to happen. Yeah, I meant to say that in the intro. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you could just cut that out there and put it in the intro. No, I'll leave it as is. It'll be, okay. be an interesting test to see <laughs> who What's gets this top- far. <laughs> yeah. What's your top tips? My top tips... Yeah, tippy tatters. Uh, uh, top tips. Jeez. When it comes to globals, is it? What do you think? Oh, with the globals, That's yeah. What talking about it, globals. Well, I mean, you know, and listeners know that the, this is something I'm struggling with at the moment because I'm finding globals particularly generically useful at the minute, especially rampy ones. So I'm struggling with it a great deal at the minute. I, I find it very difficult to set teams up where I'm using globals in a way that benefits me more than the opponent. I always have done. Um, so I like things that are clean and crisp and easy to get my head around. My my collector team, the one that I top forward at UK Nats and won the virtual worlds with, is a good example of that because I, the way it all kind of tied together, it was very asymmetrical to me with the Cree captain and the Clayface kind of set up. Uh, so it was all configured. I was already using a a fist, a low cost fist character as a linchpin of the team, which was of course the Norman Osborne, don't call me Gobby. So it all, it all, you know, I like, I like it when it clunk clicks together. 
so I struggle a great deal with globals. So what I've done when it comes to competitive events is I've tried to build my team and not use them for a period of time in the lead up. Ooh, I like and, and then reintroduce them one at a time, bit by bit, to see if there is a threshold of, ah, right, I've found where my unnecessary globals is. And what I also like to do is, once I've got my head a little bit around the globals that are popular and knocking around in the meta, is practice my team with my own globals. But I suppose in, in line with what you, you were saying before, so I used to tinker about with, what if there's double clay face? So I'd sort of come up with the first three turns if it, if it was only me with Clayface and I'm using my standard three turns, but then I used to play around with what could I do in my first three turns and kind of have it lined up in my head, a strategy for two Clayfaces being available to me. Yeah. Be prepared. Yeah. Be mm. this, the Cub Scout. Yeah. Um, I like the way that Globals change. Like, they, they basically change the mechanics of the game so that I get the game is different. Yeah, well, I mean, globals are, to all intents and purposes, the kind of instant stroke interrupt card that you get in the likes of Magic the Gathering, isn't it? Yeah. It's the instant speed stuff. Uh, but uh, in conclusion, and in the interest of time, uh, it seems that we're all on board. Yeah, you got to, if the globals you need, you've got to have them. Just be cautious, be prepared, practice with them. And I think, as Andy says, and as I've just said there, and be mindful of if it is going to be a global heavy meta, how might you use the ones you're not bringing if they are there? Have some alternative strategies that may be a winning formula available to you too. Cool. Right, on to the final theme. Right then, ladies and gents, here it is. The final theme, I'm sure you saw this coming, is prediction time. What do you think the winning win condition will be? Uh, Laurier actually said to me, interestingly enough, uh, so what we've got is a, f- a funny mix of punditry here because Arjun and Luke aren't competing. Ben's not competing. You and I are not competing. The only one of the pundits today that we've heard from who is actually competing is Laurier. And Laurier said to me right up top when I asked him to contribute, he said, I'm not going to go into specifics or details about what I think the winning win condition would be in case I tip my hand as to what I'm working on. <laughs> so where you'll hear Arjun Lucan, you know, just kind of chewing some stuff over, where you'll hear Ben just kind of, you know, whatever, you don't care, he's out there, he's just talking about it, and while you hear us doing it, Laurier's is quite short and concise. <laughs> but in any case, let's have a listen to what they had to say. I have no idea, man. <laughs> Again, I haven't been, been playtesting. Um, it's hard to go against Barry, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to go against Barry. I haven't played with Barry since 2016. Yeah. Okay, like, and back then he was a whole lot stronger. Um, obviously, it seems very powerful from, you know, the the recent online tournament. Well, there's just but. a lot of smacking here. I mean, I think so much of this is just going to be who rolls. You know, um, you know, Starro is really strong, but then again, the who rolls aspect of him takes him down a little bit of a peg. Barry's really strong. If you got a way to get to him and get him out... You know, uh, I, I think Barry is the the, the the king at the moment. But go ahead there's and say a lot front of frontline. I'd like more. I'm I might I might go ahead and say frontline over Barry. Maybe, we'll maybe. See. Well, it can punch fat a little faster. Maybe. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's good. I think it's an interesting meta right now. I mean, it, it's a little less skill driven. A little more luck. Mm, I don't know. There's still I think skill. This is more of a skill driven meta than we've seen in a while. You know. You've got to learn how there's different globals out there than we're used to playing. You know what I mean? They're not because because static field and distraction are out there. 
you know, you got to learn how to play the taunts. You got to learn how to play other things. So it's a different well, no, distra- dis- distraction and static field are not out there right now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're, they're out of here. They're not. Yeah. They're not. They're not in the meta. Yeah. So you know, it's more of a taunt. You've got to account for taunts. You've got to account for like using very interesting prep globals. And okay. And what about that? Does not imply skill. Oh, same. There is skill. There is uh, skill. Well, you're but saying, I think this is one of the less skill-based metas. Like, well, I'll I save th- the last meta that we had. Yes, there is definitely some really strong control teams that you could eke out. But uh, what am I saying? There really wasn't. You know? Well, I'm saying at the very that- least you could bring a god catcher team where you have the same five moves memorized. No matter what your opponent does, you're doing these same five things, and you're going to do fine with it. Does right. that mean that there are not incredibly skilled alternatives to it? No, of course there are skill Well, but well, you're talking Godcatcher. Godcatcher didn't exist when the last worlds happened. So I'm talking I'm I'm flashing back to the last worlds because of COVID we've had that. this, you know, this this hiatus really. And back then and every other worlds before this, control was a very viable option. It really with all the spin down mechanics and no distraction and taunts, control is probably the weakest I've seen it. Uh, that I can remember. So, uh, and if that regard, the last two years, yeah, I agree. In that regard, I'm saying it's a little less skilled. It's it's uh, you know line them up, wham bam, rock them, sock them, robots type of meta, and and maybe that's not fair to say that that isn't skilled. There's a lot of skill with that, but there's also a lot of just like whoever rolls and hits. I think whoever rolls now is more important than it's been in the past. Maybe not. Maybe I don't not. know about that because like. Well, think about it, right? Like, it, one good way to gauge the meta is not about how prevalent control is. I think a better way to gauge the meta is about how diverse it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, the 2019 meta was actually pretty healthy. But, you know, any time before that, I'd say in the grand scheme of Dice Master's healthy metas, this has got to be up there in terms of the build diversity that are, is viable that we're seeing. Because the pool is so limited, even considering that, like, you would expect a handful just a very small handful of teams to rise to the top and the last time we had a place at this small which would be like all the way back when it was even larger then with a battle for Faerun and beforehand those four sets there was it was less diverse than you had like wolverine weapon 10 sarina gobby and green goliath and those were kind of your your things yeah yeah well i would say the the the, the year where uh we were talking about victor and you know the day before um the dark side uh, bolt team won for national. So that was a very good meta too. But in that meta, you had both, you know, combat damage and, uh, you know, direct damage as being as reliable. It's going to be more difficult for direct damage. I mean, there's still some good teams with direct damage out there for sure. Um, and combo, you know, direct damage slash com, you know, uh, you know, combat damage teams too. So yeah, I, you're right in the sense that there are four or five, maybe six really strong teams that could take it, you know, if luck goes their way. I don't know. I think my, my take on it is I think that this is maybe when you actually sit down to play, there's going to be a little bit less skill involved than there was in say 2019, although I'd say still more skill than the average meta. But I think that in terms of brewing, this is a very important year to have a creative brew because because there are some just holes in the meta that we're always used to having filled. Um, I feel like there are going to be some people who take some really clever risks. Yeah. And that's going to be something that you can't really account for in the way that you play. Uh, because if you get your matchups and you just, you're able to anticipate correctly by luck or by genius or whatever... That will pay out well, I think, for some people who take the big risks. Yeah, yeah. And then the matchups are critical in that case. Like, if you take a risk and you push your luck in terms of, like, 
you know, like, not think- building a, you know, a, a team that, that may not be as balanced, but is, you know, boy, if it hits, it's good night, Irene. Exactly. And you could like, honestly, even just putting taunt on your team, doesn't matter what the rest of it is. That's a huge risk. Right oh, there. for sure. You yeah. know, and it can totally wipe people out. Yep. So finally, what do I think the prediction of the winning team will be? In testing, I think Master Mold is by far the best thing. Um, I think it beats out Barry Allen for a myriad of reasons. Uh, the, the cost is one of them, but also the tech against Barry, I think, is a lot stronger than the tech against Master Mold. The lack of a two-cost Intimidator, I think, is huge for those tokens. However, both Master Mold and Barry are so reliant on bag, roll, bag management, not bag management, pulls from the bag and rolls from the bag. The person who Barry Allen can win just as easily as Master Mold on turn four if the person gets lucky with their rolls. So I think the person who will win will basically be the luckiest person on the day. And that's true, I think, of any tournament, but especially in this meta. The fact is that if someone basically gets Barry, rolls Barry Allen with six sidekicks on turn three or four, then if they do that every game, they win every game. There's very little your opponent can do to stop that. Um, so Marshall I think will win but I could easily see Barry Allen winning as well or maybe another big bomb piece that just gets really lucky with their um, draws and rolls the bag management is so out the window that I think it could be anyone who is best able to pull the dice they need on the moment they need it and roll the characters they need if you miss a turn three uh, purchase of Master Mold and you missed your rolling of Master Mold, then I think no matter what you do, even if your team is built the best, you could still get wrecked. So yeah, that's my advice uh, for Worlds. I hope everyone participating in it um, has a tournament they enjoy. Um, remember this game is all about the community. I think we have one of the best, most supportive networks uh, in gaming. So I hope everyone keeps that up. Um, I'm really sad I can't be there. So everyone have a fantastic tournament. And prediction time. What do you think the winning win condition will be? Well, the one I bring, of course. Which one will that be? Oh, you'll see. Yeah, so there we go. I mean, to be clear, I should qualify this. I don't blame Laurier for that at all. I don't. It wasn't a criticism. <laughs> Just, just in case anyone misinterpreted that as a criticism, I just wanted to point out that out of us all, he's the only one who will actually, or has the intention of competing, um, whereas the rest of us aren't. So we were kind of perhaps a little bit more freestyle with our responses. Yeah. Competing, competing as well. He'll be there to win. He's not oh, there to make up for the sure. numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, 100% he will. And it, I'm sure he'll be very excited to hear that players such as myself are not there to uh, to create... <laughs> a stiff competition for him. <laughs> <laughs> what we're saying, Laurie, is if you do win, easy ride, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't have me to face, and if you don't or, win, what are you or, doing? Or more accurately, didn't have Ben to or Arj to face, <laughs> <laughs> or me. Yeah, you say all Randy, but you you say that, but we all know that your best days are far behind you. Two times national champion. <laughs> uh, I love your imagination. Is there anyone else that's done it twice? It's sweet. It's sweet that you've got such a strong imagination. Yeah, Ben's got more than one national championship under his belt, but his are across two, two, I'm about to say across two different countries. Yeah. Lightning never strikes twice. Does when I'm involved. 
Yeah, but it doesn't though, does it? You've just uh, what you've you've kind of you've attended an event and dreamed that you were hit by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> the thunder <laughs> and the lightning <laughs> so anyway, um, what are we talking about predictions uh, predictions yeah so what's your prediction andy um that's the winner of at least either nationals or worlds will be a team without master mold or barry allen Ooh, i like it bold bold I think one will because you know there'll be a lot of them but i do feel that there will be one or of, if it's nationals, then maybe like more people will play it. But I think there's something out there, maybe something like solid, like the Colossus, um, maybe the um, the cable who's got annoyed that he's been thrown to the side. <laughs> so many players will, 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 will step up to the plate, uh, but something something strong um, that maybe people aren't expecting might be caught out maybe people are going to take too much from master mold and, and barry allen uh that you know they get oh i can't counter that very well um not mm. sure what it is um but that is definitely my prediction I, I don't think that um i think there's someone out there that have thought right okay if i take this to win then i can c- kind of blindside all the people that have taken the same thing uh, and uh, and and I think that will do well on one or the other, not both. I don't think. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'd like that to be the case. So I am on board with your prediction for sure. All right. Well, I, I, I'm going to throw mine out there. I'm going to put two. I think uh, the winning team is going to involve Gambit. I like Solitaire. The entire board reroll, <laughs> or one of the Corsairs, probably the Super Rare. What's that do? I don't know. I just remember us talking about it recently. <laughs> the Super Rare Corsair. Uh, it's the one that uh, you get a dice in your prep area or something, don't you? I've forgotten. Amazing. I kind of liked it somehow, but I can't remember why. If four or more of your character dice were KO'd this turn, you may prep a Corsair die from this card. And he's got Deadly. I mean, how awesome is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, obviously I'll be glib, but... Uh, that yeah. Gambit re-roll, solid. That could, that could be something. Yeah, good. Well, it's, it won't be. It's not a wink on, is it? It's a full clear, no, but no, it could be. It, to be fair, you're right. It could, I would love to see someone say, "Yeah, I took the gambit re-roll, and every time I used it, my opponent failed to re-roll their entire field, and I walked through for twenty every time." <laughs> that would just be epic. I'd love it. Uh, obviously, maybe a Jimmy Olsen super Ed Jimmy Olsen teams because he's you know, he's, he's really easy to get hold of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's literally just the, the common super rare. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I would like to see something obscure. Like, is there, is there something tucked away that somebody's not quite engaged with? Run, I don't know, Monsieur, uh, one of the force attack Monsieur Mallers does something or um, someone's found a nice combo with that crazy Dr. Fate or something like that, you know. That, that would be. Mode. He'll be in his lab. Right yeah, for sure. Ready. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would like that, but sadly, I think I'm going to have to. I'm putting my prediction down, and I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to put my money behind Master Mold. I think Master Mold. Yeah, I think I think it's slightly got an edge over Barry Allen for me. We need to get ourselves a copy of that. I've not played it or played against it yet. Yeah, I don't know. I've been keeping an eye out on eBay, man. It, when it does come up, it's like sixty, seventy dollars. And then with the shipping and the import tax bollocks, it, and yeah, I just can't. Uh, and I'm certainly not up for buying any more Dark Felix Saga 
you know, countertops. But in any case, uh, but yeah, I'm going to put my money behind Master Mold. I don't want to. I like I like your view better. I'm more hopeful for your view on it. But I think the reality is that you know Master Mold's going to come along. I'd love to see a, I don't know a Batman th- Global Thor team or something really smash it. Super rare Jubilee. Ah, ping, 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 ping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, someone rock up with an old school human torch and just start smashing face. That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, it hasn't got a green Goliath to back it up, though, has it? You know what I mean? No, but still, I, I, again, it's it's looking at all those combos. I mean, all we have to do is field, field a character and do a damage. As it's, you field a character, you do one damage to your opponent, one damage to character. So all you need to do is find a, you know, a, a, a kind of a consistent way to be like fielding lots of characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm, I, I, again, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I just sadly think it's possibly not going to be the case. Uh, a rare storm, a rare Shazam, you know, something. I'd love to just see something a little bit unexpected, even if it is in the, like you say, in the one point five two second tier space that's just caught everyone with their pants down getting all yeah. obsessed with Barry Allen's and Master Moulders, they've missed something, you know. But yeah. All it takes is someone to, to, you know, take something like, say, Super Rare Jubilee, ha- you know, have practised it uh, and have, you know, practised it maybe against a Master Mould team and a, and a Barry Allen team or, or some other prevalent teams uh, and, and kind of take the rest of what they've got to try and, you know, counter it and play it well. I mean, it's not impossible. It's bloody hard. I'd say that it'd be easier just to, you know, net take that team that's going to smash face. But if there is that person out there that does the hard work, there's no way. There's no reason why you can come up on top. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's uh, fingers crossed, eh? Let's see. I'd love that to be the case. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our uh, kind of pre-world conversations uh thank you very much to ben arge lucan and laurier for their contributions to the episode very grateful that they took the time to send that audio over to us let's now take us into the outro well there we are then folks as all good things must this episode of the ministry of dice has come to an end we hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it and we did <laughs> I think all that, all that remains to say is we'd like to wish the absolute best of luck to all of our friends and community members out there who are planning on attending and taking part and competing in the various world's events. Please, if you can find the time, send us some messages, fire some pictures over, drop us a line or join our Discord and share your experience. We'd, we'd love to at least touch it a little bit from across the ocean, even if we can't be there ourselves. And so I'd encourage you to do so. I'd I'd very much enjoy that. Yeah, 100%. And have a great time. Yeah. Try not to get too hung up and all salty. Uh, You know, enjoy it. Live your life. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, if you are unable to attend, uh, keep an eye out on BritRoller6.com on the Saturday night. We'll we'll have an update coming to you with regards to uh, any interesting news and information that comes out of the fan appreciation event. Um, so uh, I know many will be curious to know what's coming up in that. Uh, otherwise, yeah, just have a great time, guys. And, and come back and join us in two weeks' time to hear our thoughts and reflections as we you know, pour over the team lists and uh, get the the feedback from the attendees as to how it went uh, and share our kind of our post-game quarterbacking, post-event quarterbacking on it. Exciting. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, then. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, safe travels, everyone who's on the way to Worlds. Uh, for those who aren't going to Worlds, then, you know, we hope you have a good weekend. This <laughs> weekend, too. <laughs> Maybe go to the cinema. Yeah, go see a good movie or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I've been Chris, otherwise known online as the true Mr. Six. Uh, And I'm two times UK national champion, Andy England. Thank you very much. (laughs) And we'll see you in two weeks.